Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Happy Monday. It's July 24th. Can you believe it? The last full week of the month of July. Summer is going by quickly. Make sure you get out there and enjoy it, but stay safe given the extreme heat. And also stay tuned right here to EWTN, all the information you need to not only get through the day, but make the most of it, especially from a truly Catholic perspective. Speaking of which, we are going to spend a majority of our show today talking with John Bursch, and he's the author of a brand new book about to be released by our friends at Sophia, Loving God's Children, the Church and Gender Ideology. So if you're not familiar with John, well, you may be because he's been so involved in so many important cases over the last several years. He's a VP of Appellate Advocacy for the wonderful organization, Alliance Defending Freedom. They're the largest public interest law firm defending religious liberty, free speech, parents' right, marriage and family, and the right to life. John, who's from Michigan, my home state, has also argued 12 cases in the high court, including cases defending the church's teachings on marriage and sexuality. He speaks all over the country to groups, both religious and secular, about a number of different topics, including marriage, human sexuality, the right to life, and of course, religious liberty and free speech. He is married, a father of five, He's also, bless his heart, a fourth-degree Knight of Columbus and a three-time past president of the Grand Rapids Legatus chapter. And in his spare time, he does even more great work as a member of the Pro-Life Partners Foundation Advisory Board. So his book, Loving God's Children, The Church and Gender Ideology, is such an important book because it looks at a number of different issues that we're facing with this push. It's so, to me, compelling that you have For example, last week we talked about the letter that some 21 doctors signed on to in response to this doctor from America saying that, oh, puberty blockers are great, these so-called surgeries are great for kids, and you have close to two dozen doctors saying, whoa, that's not the case. Many of these doctors working at these places in Europe that have shut down that were doing the transgender surgeries because they realized, oh, guess what? We're not providing the proper counseling. The best course is psychotherapy. What a concept. And they're telling America to put the brakes on this stuff. But what are we doing here? We just keep pushing on and such damage is being done. And we're going to talk with John about this. And what does the church say and why the church has the answer for it all? Because it's all based on the truth and the dignity of the human person made in the image and likeness of God male and female. So we're doing three segments with John today. Really important stuff. And then wrapping up as we always do with our friend and sister Gail Buckley with our Bible verse of the week. Gail is the foundress and head of a beautiful Catholic Bible study, Catholic Scripture Study International. So that's our program for today. John Birch and Gail Buckley on a Monday morning, July 24th. What's the weather look like? Well, you guessed it, more heat. National Weather Service saying excessive summer heat will continue this week. The main story will be the continued excessive summer heat across the country. National Weather Service saying for much of July, hot, dangerous conditions have been the norm in parts of the West, Texas, and the state of Florida. The summer conditions will build and expand, they're saying, across the eastern two-thirds of the country, starting in the north, central states, and plains. So that is your forecast for today and looking at a couple of days in the future. 
Stay cool, but stay connected right here to EWTN. Four minutes past the hour. Let's check the news before we take a break and speak with author, attorney John Bursch on his new book, Loving God's Children, the Church and Gender Ideology. Paul Francis urging young people and the elderly to forge an intergenerational covenant as the church marked the World Day for Grandparents and the Elderly yesterday in preparing for World Youth Day in Lisbon. He appeared at the window of his office, Vatican News reports, in the Apostolic Palace together with a young person and his grandmother, inviting the crowd in St. Peter's Square to offer them a round of applause. He added, may the proximity of the two world days offer all of us an invitation to promote a much-needed covenant between generations because the future is built together as we share experiences and as young people and the elderly care for each other. Vatican News reporting the new sound system installed in St. Peter's Basilica is aiming to improve the quality of service offered to the thousands of faithful who visit the Basilica daily. The new audio infrastructure replaces the analog system put in place almost 25 years ago in preparation for the Jubilee 2000 celebrations. Over 80 speakers and a state-of-the-art digital system will improve the technical quality of the sound distribution and help increase appreciation for the voices and sounds heard during the celebrations. The technical upgrade is the outcome of an acoustic study, the Vatican News website says, of St. Peter's conducted involving specific parameters and sound standards. The new equipment inaugurated for the Mass of the Third World Day for Grandparents, which the Pope, again, as we mentioned, presided over yesterday. Catholic News Agency is reporting Senator Bob Casey and also the Catholic Loop reporting this, a self-professed Catholic requesting $1 million in federal tax-paying funding for a Philadelphia LGBTQ organization hosting youth drag shows and advanced communist events. Throughout 2023, Casey voicing support for additional funding for the Philadelphia-based William Well 8 LGBT Community Center. Earlier this year, the center requesting $1 million earmarked in the 2024 appropriations bill for the organization. Casey's proposal, by the way, for William Way would be in addition to the millions the center is already receiving from the city. Now, the center has a history of far left political activism via a Facebook post last month. They encourage people to attend a communist led protest for Moms for Liberty, their annual Philadelphia summit. And in February, the LGBTQ center hosted a drag show with the stated aim of demonstrating the way colonialism affected both land and people. In other news this morning, at least six people are dead following a series of weekend shootings in the Chicago area. The violence began Friday when a man was fatally shot during an armed robbery. Since then, more than 20 others were hurt in shootings, with the victims ranging from the ages of 13 to 64. In other news this morning, Former Vice President Mike Pence says he does not want his former boss indicted over the January 6th incident. Speaking on CNN's State of the Union, Pence saying Americans have lost confidence in the Justice Department and an indictment would make it worse. He said it's time for the voters to decide. These issues and the judgment about his conduct on January 6th will be left to the American people in the upcoming uh, primaries. Pence also saying it is indeed time for a change at the Justice Department. New polling shows former President Donald Trump enjoying big leads over his GOP challengers in both Iowa and South Carolina. According to the Fox Business polls, 46% of Republican primary voters in Iowa support Trump, compared to 16% for his closest rival, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. In South Carolina, another poll 
of likely GOP voters shows Trump with 48% compared to just 14% for former Governor Nikki Haley. As we mentioned in the National Weather Service report, excessive heat warnings are being extended through parts of the U.S. at least through midweek. The alerts affecting tens of millions of Americans over the weekend while dangerous level temperatures hit the west and the south. Phoenix, Arizona, and Salt Lake City, Utah reaching new daily highs over the weekend. Other states seeing triple digits include California, Nevada, Texas, Louisiana, and Florida. Scott Pringle tells us there's financial help on the way to areas of New York State hit hard by recent flash flooding. Over the weekend, Governor Kathy Hochul announced that the federal government signed off on a disaster declaration. That means local governments will have access to federal funds. This impacts Clinton, Dutchess, Essex, Hamilton, Ontario, Orange, Putnam, and Rockland counties. The money can be used for debris removal, protective measures, and repairs to buildings and infrastructure. This is after an enormous amount of rain fell in a short time frame earlier this month in the Mid-Hudson region. The first Atlantic hurricane of the season was not a hurricane for very long. Tropical Storm Don strengthening into a hurricane on Saturday afternoon, hundreds of miles southeast of Newfoundland. But by Sunday morning, Hurricane Don had weakened to a tropical storm, and forecasters say that storm now heading back out to sea toward the North Atlantic and is no threat to land. Brad Siegel tells us Pfizer says most of the damage caused by a tornado at its plant in North Carolina was to a warehouse facility. An EF3 tornado plowed through the town of Rocky Mount Wednesday, causing considerable damage to the facility. Pfizer says it's exploring alternative manufacturing locations as the plant will remain closed while damage is assessed. The company added that it does not appear any major damage was done to the medicine production areas of that facility. The North Carolina plant is responsible for supplying nearly 8% of all sterile injectable medicines in hospitals across the country. The chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee says a U.S. soldier who crossed the border into North Korea made a serious mistake. He's not being treated uh, very well. I think it was a serious mistake on his part, and uh, I hope we can get him back. The 23-year-old soldier was being sent back to the U.S. for possible disciplinary action after spending time in a South Korea jail for damaging a police car. The family of the man says this week that he's been having mental issues since the death of a young cousin earlier this year. Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis calling on state officials to initiate a review into its holdings with Bud Light's parent company. DeSantis sending a letter Thursday to the State Board of Administration saying that Anheuser-Busch may have breached legal duties owed to its shareholders by associating the brand with radical social ideologies and that the state should not be subsidizing such an ideological agenda through woke virtue signaling. The letter was in reference to Bud Light's recent partnership with transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney. AMC Theaters, as Chris Caraggio tells us, is dropping its plans, apparently, that charge moviegoers more for the best seats. The company announced Thursday that its sightline pricing program will come to an end in the coming weeks. AMC said most moviegoers were willing to pay extra for the best seats, but the company saw little to no change in people buying the cheaper seats at the front of the theater. AMC will now look to be testing a new seating concept that will replace the front rows with lounge-style seating. The concept will begin testing later this year. And Greta Gerwig's live-action feature Barbie is a top movie in the U.S. and Canada earning $155 million in its first weekend of release, this marking the biggest opening for any film directed by a woman. Coming in second, Christopher Nolan's biopic Oppenheimer, which made $80.5 million in its debut weekend. The picture is about the life of J. Robert Oppenheimer, who led America's development of the atomic bomb, during World War II. Now, rounding out the top five, 
are the anti-trafficking film Sound of Freedom, followed by Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, finishing in eighth place. Finally, in our news segment, almost 13 minutes past the hour on a busy Monday morning, July 24th, a Holland man is preparing to try to become the eighth person to swim across Lake Michigan. That's Holland, Michigan, by the way, which is a town on the western part of the state, after he swam the English Channel last year. His name is Brian Huffman, and he says he plans to make the attempt in the next few weeks, and he will not be able to touch the boat following him or get out of the water. I think a lot of it's going to be very difficult going across. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to being done, if I'm quite honest. The 50-year-old is swimming for a good cause. He's raising money to pay for swimming lessons for children. It is a Monday morning. Thanks for tuning in to the EWTN, Global Catholic Radio Network. When we come back, we're going to spend a good amount of time on a brand new book from John Bursch, and it's all about what we're seeing out there in our culture and the Catholic response, loving God's children, the church, and gender ideology. That's up next on Catholic Connection. You are listening to EWTN, and we'll be right back. EWTN is everywhere. EWTN radio programming is provided free of charge to over 500 domestic and international AM and FM radio stations. It's a great teaching tool for Catholics and non-Catholics alike. For a complete list of EWTN AM and FM stations across America, visit EWTNradio.net. At the bottom of the page, click Affiliates. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. You and your spouse are invited to cruise with Royal Caribbean this January, along with Father Michael Schmitz, Archbishop Nauman, Al, Teresa, Dr. Ray, and many others. Get away with your spouse on a fun, relaxing, and rejuvenating cruise with inspiring speakers, daily mass, and endless memorable experiences. Father Michael Schmitz comments, you'll encounter an amazing community of couples and speakers, and most importantly, you'll encounter Christ. More details at AveMariaRadio.net. Just click the travel link. Great to catch up with John Burr. She's such a strong uh, pro-life advocate in addition to an excellent attorney, and I had the opportunity to interview him quite a bit last year when we were doing our, our battle, which eventually we did lose at the polls anyway against Proposal 3, a horrible, horrible proposition that well, apparently, for whatever reason, people thought was a good idea. It was so extreme, and now it is being copied and marketed all over the country, including a similar amendment in the state of Ohio. Anyway, John serves as a VP of Appellate Advocacy for Alliance Defending Freedom, the largest public interest law firm in the world. 
They are amazing. They do amazing work defending religious liberty, free speech, parental rights, marriage, family, and the right to life. He's argued 12 cases in the U.S. Supreme Court defending the church's teaching on marriage and sexuality. And of course, he has an incredible background as a father, a husband, and a solid Catholic who does so much. He's served three times as the Grand Rapids Legatus chapter president and also is a fourth degree Knight of Columbus. And I guess in your spare time, John, what, you bake cookies or something? I don't know if you have any spare time, but <laughs> thanks for joining <laughs> us. Appreciate no, it. Not much spare time, but I've got yeah. five wonderful children and they keep us busy. Yeah, amazing. All right, so you had so much information and so much experience in talking about these issues, especially from a legal perspective. Is this what prompted you to write this book, Loving God's Children, the Church, and Gender Ideology? It really is. The issue just kept popping up on the legal side, whether it was in the religious liberty space or the free speech space, um, that I, I found myself learning more about it all the time. And so that eventually became a series of talks that I gave to various Catholic parishes and some others, um, and then from there, it just kind of evolved into a full-blown book. So let's talk about this, because you have been speaking on this topic and defending the Church teaching, as you mentioned, as we mentioned in our intro. Why do you think, John, this has just taken over? It is everywhere. Transgender this, gender ideology, this, that, the other thing. And even so many young people, in the last two months, for example, there have been a, a number of young people who are, quote-unquote, detransitioning talking about the damage that the drugs and the surgery has, has done to them physically, but also talking about nobody stopped to look at their mental issues before they pushed them into the puberty blockers and then the surgery. Why has this gone so crazy and so viral everywhere? Well, I think it's because of this modern rise of the self, that everybody thinks that um, God is not control, in control, but they are in control. And so they get to decide for themselves who they are and what they want to be. Um, and, and so you can kind of see this at the cultural level. Certainly our, our media and our movies and TVs have been moving that way for a long time. But this is kind of like the ultimate endpoint of that, that every individual gets to decide for themselves uh, not only who they are and what their identity is, but even what their gender is, uh, even though they have a sex body, an embodied soul, um, that God has already created to say who they are. To me, and this is just my opinion from a spiritual perspective, this is very demonic because we know that Satan hates women. We know he hates a blessed mother. We know he wants to, he can't get his own dirt or his own clay. So he wants to take what God has given us, right? In terms right. of the development of the human person made in God's image and likeness, male and female, and say, no, I can do it better and you can do it better. Exactly. That's the whole thing. It's a lack of trust in God that we think that we can do it better than he can. And what people don't realize is that there's danger anytime that we diverge from God's plan. Of course, you know, we call that sin. Um, but it's no different with gender ideology than it is with any other modern form of sin that we confront. Um, but what's particularly heinous about gender ideology is that it often involves uh, you know, mutilation and severe harm to kids, of all things. Um, so th this is the worst possible kind of sin because it involves the impact on innocent little children. Let's talk about how you open the book with helping people understand the concept of objective truth and how to defend it. Yeah, when I sat down to write the book, you know, I immediately thought about all the, the science and the theology that goes into gender ideology, but quickly realized that it doesn't make any sense to talk about those things unless, as Catholics, we, we first understand the difference between moral relativism and objective truth. Because if you can't see an objective truth, then any discussion about the issue is irrelevant. 
Um, and unfortunately, with young people today especially, more than 90% of them embrace strands of moral relativism. That's what's true for me is only true for me, and what's true for you is true for you. Um, and so we've got to get past that, because otherwise important issues like gender ideology, like abortion and things like that, become only a matter of opinion, like my favorite kind of ice cream versus your favorite kind of ice cream. And, and as we know, uh, the Church teaches that there is an objective truth, that we can discern it and learn it from our common sense and natural law, and that when you recognize that there's an objective truth, you can begin to enter into this conversation about gender ideology and what does and does not make sense. We're talking with John Bursch. His book is Loving God's Children, the Church and Gender Ideology, coming out uh, this, actually next month, August 15th, technically. But John, is it available for pre-order right now already? It is available for pre-order on the Sophia Institute Press's website, uh, and it will be released on August 15th. Okay, it's a, that's the a official book release for all of those. Yeah, yeah, perfect book yeah. for all those who just want to understand the Church's teaching on gender ideology, understand the science behind it, and know how to talk to their family members, their, their kids, their siblings, their uh, co-employees, their family, friends, and neighbors. Um, you know, just kind of a, a practical soup-to-nuts book that discusses the issue in ways that anyone can understand. There's such a disconnect when we talk about objective truth, because it seems to occur primarily in below-the-belt issues. For example, this argument of you know, no one has a right when it comes to abortion, which you've heard, I'm sure, a million times, as we all have. No one has a right to tell me what to do with my body. And my response to that is, okay, so you don't wear seatbelts, you drink and drive, you take I- illegal drugs. So yeah, we tell you every single time you get up in the morning and go out in the world, we are telling you on some level, in terms of a civilized society, and laws, what you can and cannot do with your body. But when it comes to abortion, all bets are off. Right. It doesn't make any sense why those issues, for some reason, are off limits. And and the biggest thing in the abortion debate is that it's not your body. It's somebody else's body. And so you're impacting two people, not just one person. Um, And and it's easy for us to forget that even when it comes to the the things that I'm doing silently in my my own home, excessive drinking, drug use, and things like that, that inevitably those private sins still have a public right. impact and that they affect our brothers and sisters. Uh, C.S. Lewis talks about this beautifully. I mentioned this in the book, about how we're all a fleet of sailing ships and that anytime one ship gets off course, inevitably it's going to affect the others. And so when you think about this in the context of gender ideology, not only does it impact the person who's transitioning, but it has massive ramifications on their family members, especially their parents, their siblings, um, their kids if they have any, a spouse if they happen to be married, um, but also wider impacts in the, the workforce uh, where you might be requiring others to use pronouns that they believe to be false and things like that. And so they use sailing ships, they bump into each other, and there is no such thing as a, a thing that only affects me. But speaking of these different issues that are coming up in our culture and law, as, as an attorney and being in Michigan, we're faced with something horrific here where our governor is set to sign this and the state house has already passed it, where you could be fined up to $10,000 and possibly get as many as five years in prison if someone who is prefers a particular pronoun feels that their needs aren't being met in terms of identity and are being harassed, then you could be charged with a felony. Yeah, it's an unbelievable infringement of free speech. Um, One of the cases I discuss in the book is one that I argued in the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, which is the Federal Court of Appeals that includes Michigan, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Ohio. And the the court held unequivocally in the context of a college professor at a public university that the First Amendment does not allow the government to force you to speak someone's preferred pronouns if you believe those to be false. 
Um, and so this, this is a blatant First Amendment violation. Um, it's unbelievable that the legislature passed it. I have no doubt the governor will sign it because there's been just one extreme law after another coming out of this legislature and this, this governor. Um, but no one should be forced to speak against their own beliefs. And that's exactly what this type of law encourages and, and punishes them to a felony, jail time, um, or massive fines. Do you find your, your law career, I mean, I know this is what you do at, at Alliance Defending Freedom, but you also deal with other issues on marriage and life. But do you find this whole transgender ideology, including this, this uh, you know, possibly soon-to-be law, God help us, in Michigan, taking up a lot of your legal work? Yes, and, and that was really the inspiration for the book initially, because um, historically in the free um, exercise context, the free speech context, it was typically involving the marriage issues, you know, things like the website designer and the florist and the cake baker and things like that. Um, but I've really noticed that over the past five years that if you set aside the pro-life cases, and there's plenty of those, and a few parental rights cases, uh, that this gender ideology concept is invading every single other part right. of the law. It, it's become a pervasive part of my docket, whether it's trying to preserve the ability of women in sports to only be able to run against other women, whether it's defending laws that states have passed to prohibit the mutilation of children um, who uh, identify with a gender that's different than their sex, to the preferred pronouns, to even the ability of religious ministries to hire individuals who share the faith of, of the religious organization, um, the, the gender ideology seems to come up over and over and over, over and over again. again. Hence the reason we're having you on for three segments of fascinating and such an important discussion with attorney, speaker, Knight of Columbus member, of course, and has so many other titles. But we're so glad that he's out there teaching and preaching on this topic. John J. Birch will be back more in his book, Loving's God, Loving God's Children, the Church and Gender Ideology, from our friends at Sophia. We'll be right back. What can we learn from a 102-year-old doctor? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. It turns out we can learn a lot. Dr. Gladys McGarry is 102. While her tips for a long, healthy, and happy life are not all faith-based, they are worth considering. The good doctor suggests we get nine hours of sleep a night. We spend time with loved ones and build community. This is what parish life can help us achieve, right? She wants us to find and keep finding purpose in life, even after age 100. She says we need to walk, to move more each day. Even at 102, her goal is 3,800 steps a day. She suggests we avoid smoking and drinking alcohol, too. She wants us to find more love and laughter in life. Further, be a good listener. Get a load of this. She says, listening without love is an empty sound, but listening with love is understanding. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on this at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Father Benedict Groeschel. I often go back to my childhood. In church, we love to be reverent, to Christ present in the Eucharist, to Christ on the cross. But I was also impressed by the reverence of my friends in the Salvation Army. They had a little band. And I used to walk past the band on Sunday morning on my way to church. And I was just a child. But I said, you know, they're trying to pray to God. They're showing reverence to God. All this was reverence. Now what do I see? I hear one irreverence after another. And week after week, month after month, the media churns out things that make fun of religion in general and make fun of Christianity in particular, and particularly make fun of the Catholic Church. No class. Absolutely no class. 
EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Thanks for tuning in to Ave Maria Radio and EWTN's Catholic Connection on a Monday morning, July 24th. Speaking with attorney and, of course, speaker John Bursch. Loving God's Children, his brand new book, The Church and Gender Ideology. You may pre-order it. Officially hits the shelves on August 15th. It's published by our friends at Sophia Press. So, John, we were chatting during the break. One of my biggest frustrations is that these important stories with real evidence, and even your book, your book, others who are speaking out about this, doctors who are speaking out about these issues, the media either don't cover it or they twist it into a political thing. For example, there were several stories in the last month of both uh, young men and women who went through the horrible puberty blockers and the so-called transitioning surgery and are now detransitioning, saying that nobody looked at my underlying issues. The one young woman said she was, let's see, she was cutting herself, she struggled with depression, she was sexually abused, and all that her counselors were saying and advising her to do was to, oh no, you need to be a boy. You're not a girl, you need to be a boy. And this is happening over and over and over again. So the conservative outlets will cover this, but it doesn't get any coverage in the secular press. And if it does, it is often accusing those who are have more conservative values of using it as a political ploy. So they're ignoring this. Oh, only a few people are doing this, but the right is going crazy with this and running it and going against gender affirming care. It's really unbelievable. And if you watch the, the media, social media, you would think that this is only a, a problem for the right. Um, there's a, a great example of the bias that you were talking about. Uh, there was a segment on 60 Minutes, and they were supposed to be devoting the entire show to detransitioners. And there's thousands of these detransitioners um, who, as you mentioned, have suffered horribly as a result of the puberty blockers and the cross-sex hormones, often even surgeries, only to realize at the end that there's nothing that they can do to change their natal sex. And then they transition back again. And the trans activists got a hold of the 60 Minutes producers and they reduced the segment about detransitioners to about four minutes on the entire show. And the rest was all about promoting transgenderism. And mm-hmm. even when that show came out, the transgender activists had a went fit. Ballistic. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, because mm-hmm. they gave the detransitioners five minutes of airtime. Right. And, and you can see this with, with you know, the books and, um, and other speakers and things like that who are canceled. Uh, Ryan Anderson had one of the first great books in this. Uh, this space called When Harry Became Sally. I remember that, yeah. uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as a vote came up uh, in Congress that would have created transgender rights for all, the uh, Amazon website took the book down and refused to put it back up and basically said it was hate speech. Mm -hmm. And and you see this over and over with with speakers and with books who are being canceled for speaking the truth. And what's so frustrating about this is that not only do we have theology and morality on our side, but we also have the science science on our side. How many and times did we hear, follow the science, follow the science, only when it suits the, the, a particular science, according to those who are pushing these issues? Exactly. And, and then you can just ignore it entirely. Well, just as right. you remember last year in the Prop 3 debate here in, in Michigan, um, you know, the, the science was pretty clear that this law would allow um, abortion all the way through the end of pregnancy and that we know from a matter of science that it's a human being as soon as it's uh, as soon as there's conception, and yet the, the left just ignored that repeatedly. You see the same thing happening with respect to gender ideology, that the best studies in the world right now coming out of countries that were really the groundbreakers when it came to so-called gender reassignment care um, are now all backtracking and saying, no, we should instead wait and watch these kids 
and not intervene aggressively when their kids are adolescents or teenagers because the long-term outcomes of these invasive procedures are either neutral or negative. And, right. and what is happening is they're not addressing the other mental health issues, uh, as you discussed just a few moments ago, um, which often accompany a diagnosis of gender dysphoria. I was mentioning uh, this story, and I think we've sent it to you, a group of 21 doctors, this is from Catholic News Agency, posted on July 14th, similar to what you just said, but more specifically, 21 doctors from countries around the world wrote publicly two weeks ago that the ongoing push to provide young children with transgender or transition procedures is unsupported, John, as you just said, by current evidence, and medical officials should shift their approaches, guess what, to what we've been saying all along, understanding and managing their gender dysphoria, to get in and talk to them about what their psychological state is. Now these are doctors are saying this, and yet here in America, it's darn the torpedoes full speed ahead with this whole transgender push. Yeah, it is, and if you ever have a, a question about why that would be, follow the money, because yep. the, the gender transition regime is extraordinarily lucrative for Planned Parenthood and for other places. Um, you know, Planned Parenthood, you know, obviously they, they make all kinds of money off of abortions, but now they're getting it off of gender blockers and, um, I'm sorry, puberty blockers and cross-gender hormones as well. And as, as these detransitioners are reporting, often they'll show up for the very first appointment and they'll uh, explain that they've got some distress with their body. You know, who doesn't as a, a male or a female going through puberty as an adolescent or a teenager, and immediately they're put on the puberty blockers and the cross-sex hormones, no questions asked, no mental health therapy required. Um, but by the time you get to surgery, you know, you're talking up to $70,000 right. procedure. And so, you know, parts of the medical profession, if you want to call this medical profession, absolutely love what's happening here. And obviously the, the left is getting a huge political bounce from this as well because they get to claim that they're the, the party of love and care. Inclusion. Um, where, and yeah. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. Where, you know, as the conservatives are hateful bigots and things like that. When in fact, it's the exact opposite. You know, it would be like the, the parent who knows that their child really wants to touch the hot stove and they don't want to let them because they know it's dangerous. And the, the hot stove proponents, yeah, let the kid touch the hot stove, are the ones being celebrated as compassionate. It's mm -hmm. absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Talking with author, speaker, and attorney John Burst, brand new book available for pre-order. I think everybody needs a copy of this book, Loving God's Children, the Church and Gender Ideology. And John, it always is so reassuring and reaffirming to me, you know, and God doesn't say this because he's a loving, merciful God, but you, you know, inferred this strongly in the beginning of the book, when you go against God's plan, things happen. Like that old commercial, I don't know how old you are, maybe you're not old enough to remember that, I think it was Parquet or Chiffon, where Mother Nature, you know, says it's not nice to fool Mother Nature, and she snaps her mm -hmm. fingers and all heck break loose with the big storm. Well, this is what happens when we go against how we are designed. Yeah, absolutely. And what we know is that when we go against God's design, then bad things happen to people. And so it shouldn't be any surprise from a scientific standpoint that when we deny the fact that we are embodied souls, in other words, our, our physical human body, including our sex, expresses something about who we are, that when we go against that, that has all kinds of, of bad ramifications. And the, the Church has been teaching about this um, for a long time, longer than people realize. I mean, not just JP2's Theology of the Body, which I hope we have an opportunity to, to get into yet, but all the way back to the second century, uh, there was this notion called Gnosticism, that the yep. soul and the body were two separate things, that our, our soul was the important part, and we were just um, you know, caught in this cage, which was our body. And the whole purpose of existence was to elevate the soul to heaven and leave the body behind. 
And beginning in the second century, the Church was saying, no, 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 that's not true. We are embodied souls, and so our body matters. That's why our body rises with us when we get to the end of time and reach the last judgment day. It's why so much of Jesus' ministry was all about the body. Right. When he came back, his disciples, apostles, could actually touch and feel his body. He ate food in front of them, because the, the body, just like any other material thing in the world, is created by God, and therefore it's good and worthy of respect. Um, so we, we've been fighting this problem for 1,800-plus years, yeah. and it's just reached a new manifestation with this gender ideology. More with John Bursch and his book, Loving God's Children. By the way, listen to, among the many endorsers, our very own Father Robert Spitzer, our very own Joseph Pierce, also the amazing Father Robert Sirico, Mary Hassan, and one of my favorites, Charles Chaput, the former Archbishop of Philadelphia and one of, our, I think, our most amazing teachers out there. Reverend Charles Chaput, retired Archbishop of Philadelphia, and also Ryan Anderson, and more. We'll be right back. As a Catholic dad, I know how frustrating parenting can be, but it doesn't have to be that way anymore. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak from More to Life, inviting you to become a premium member of Catholic Home. That's CatholicHOM.com. It's an online community dedicated to supporting faithful parents like you. At Catholic Home, you can chat with our team of family life coaches every day, get expert support with discipline issues, self-care, creating a stronger marriage, living your faith at home, or just coping with the stress of being a Catholic parent in today's world. In addition to the personalized expert support you'll get as a premium member of CatholicHOM.com, you'll get access to tons of creative resources, entertaining videos that teach your kids how to get along with each other and love the Lord, downloadable activities, monthly live parenting Q&As, a supportive community of faithful Catholic parents, and tons of other benefits, like my Beatitudes podcast. Go to CatholicHOM.com today and become a premium member of the Catholic Home community. Again, that's CatholicHOM.com. I can't wait to see you there. Father Benedict Rochelle. I must tell you that from what I observe from very young people, all of these blasphemers, all of these mockers are in for a tough time. Because the devil bites his own tail. And I find among young people a growing reverence and longing for God. I find a decline in the cynicism and skepticism around because it had to destroy itself. No one can live on being an enemy of God. It's too crazy. It's too absurd. It's too dark. It's too bleak. God is beautiful. God is holy. Why in the world mock God? The people you know and trust are on EWTN. 39 minutes past the hour. Welcome back. Boy, this discussion is going way too fast. We have to have John Burge back on. Such an important book, Loving God's Children, the Church and Gender Ideology. It's from Sophia, and it technically will come out on August 15th. That's the official release date, but you can actually get it now. So in this book, you'll learn what is the concept of objective truth and how to defend it, the church's understanding of what it means to truly love another individual, straightforward reasons to defend the church's teaching on human sexuality, when scientific inquiry really says about gender ideology, the true meaning of human identity, how gender activists subvert the truth in culture and the medical profession, and how acceptance and affirmation of those who announce a gender identity different from their sex is not loving, but harmful. So this is really, John, written for anyone interested 
in understanding what the church teaches on this, but also to be able to go out and, and maybe they won't be on a platform such as you have or I have, but we all have platforms and we all should be able to defend and understand church teaching because people need the truth. They absolutely do. And, and the number one most important place they need to be able to speak that truth is in their domestic church, i.e. Mm-hmm. the family. And uh, that's why it's so important that they um, have a, a basic understanding of this. And there are many good books in this space, um, but many of them come from uh, a heavily scientific perspective or a very philosophical perspective, you know, feminist theories and things like that. And this is a very practical book that just takes all of the information from the theological standpoint to the medical standpoint um, and makes it easy to understand for someone if they have no background in the, the gender ideology field whatsoever so that you can have that conversation with your kids. And unfortunately, we're in a day and age where you need to be having that conversation because if they're not hearing it from you, they're hearing it from their friends, from their school, from their, their TikTok and other social media accounts, and uh, they're, they're going to be influenced in ways that you don't even know about. Which is what we were talking about during the break, because you and I and so many other people work so hard, and Ave Maria Reda did, did a whole campaign. Al and I were on all kinds of secular media outlets, and yet so many people wrote me and wrote Al and wrote other personalities saying they still voted for Proposal 3 last year in Michigan because they, you know, they just weren't sure. It didn't really sound that extreme, and they thought it was okay. So it, we're really like salmon swimming upstream here when it comes to the culture. So how can we, in addition, for example, to buying your book and knowing what the church teaches, how can we make a difference here? Well, it's all about those one-on-one conversations. You know, when we talk about evangelization, sometimes we think about you know, building the kingdom with things like World Youth Day, where you try to attract thousands of people uh, to the faith all at one time or to, to reinvigorate their, their belief in God and Jesus Christ. Um, but just from this past Sunday's reading, we know that the, the kingdom of God grows more like that mustard seed. Right. It, it starts small and then grows little by little. And, and God is about attracting one heart after another heart, not necessarily converting large groups of people at one time, although that certainly happens too, like with uh, our latest Guadalupe's Tilma, you know, being one great example of, of the opposite effect. And so we need to be having those one-on-one conversations, starting with our kids, but then extending outward and including our other family members. And then, you know, once that's been covered, getting courageous and going to the neighbors and the co-employees and, and things like that and, and spreading what I will call the, the gospel of truth that the, the Catholic Church teaches about gender ideology. And uh, if, if we can do that, you can make a bigger difference than even people like you and I who have big platforms but right. don't necessarily have that same one-to-one contact with people sure. who already know us and, and respect us. That's a great point. I think it's all about planting seeds. And Pope, Fra- Pope Francis, a few weeks ago, when they were talking about you know the seeds being scattered on the rocky ground, talking a lot about the seeds in the last couple of uh, Sunday Gospels, he was saying, don't think that just because someone doesn't respond to you right away, that it isn't sinking in. It's in God's time. I'm paraphrasing what he said, but it's in God's timing, not our timing. So you just have those discussions and you leave those things there and then let people think about it, even if they're not engaging in that conversation per se. Yeah, absolutely, because evangelization is always about one-to-one intimate mm-hmm. Relationship, contact. yeah. Mm-hmm. Always about relationship. This book is so important, and I think the big concern I have, and you and I talked about this during the break, is my concern is with the culture and with the media in terms of information that is being, well, the sin of omission and also being suppressed or twisted. So many people, both in the church and outside the church, even if they agree with us on this, still go to the secular media for information, which to me is, is just beyond, doesn't make any sense, but they're still being influenced by this, and I don't even know if they realize it or not. 
No, I, I think they're kind of being taken in by the fact that 20 years ago, 40 years ago, you, know, you would trust the, the Dan Rather, you know, whoever the, the evening news person was that was giving you your information. You would trust the New York Times as a reputable journalistic organization. Um, and it's simply not that way anymore. Bias is built into almost all of the major mainstream media organizations. Um, and that can be sometimes true on the, the right as well as mm-hmm. the left, but mm-hmm. you, you really see it on the left. And, and the really concerning thing is that our, our kids are not getting their information from the mainstream media. They are getting it from social media. And if you think that the, the New York Times is biased, and it, it clearly is, I mean, beyond redemption at this point, right. um, that's nothing compared to what the kids are getting on social media. Um, the, the amount of content uh, pushing the gender ideology on social media platforms, including TikTok and Instagram, um, Snapchat, and, and things like that, is unbelievable. I mean, there are millions and millions and millions of videos, billions of views, and that's where our kids are getting their news. And the algorithms and all of that, I mean, that's a whole, you know, science behind that and the way that people pick up on things and, and how their things are promoted to them. And again, getting back to the first segment that we had, and I can't believe we're almost done. We have to have you back on. We were talking about the disconnect with objective truth when it comes to, for example, well, nobody can tell me what I can do with my body. Meanwhile, that same person will be the first to snap in a seatbelt and make sure they're not going through a stop sign or all these other things or beating somebody up and, and committing assault on a regular basis. Those are all things we're told not to do with our body, right? We have to follow follow a certain amount of laws in a civilized society physically with our bodies. And, and seatbelt is a great example because it's something physical that you have to do. But we see this over and over again in terms of not accepting reality when it comes to this idea of anything below the belt, John. And, and this is what we have to get out there. Okay, why is this an objective truth here, but not here? You can't have it both ways. No, you, you can have it both ways, and, and the Church talks about the body in beautiful ways. As I mentioned a few minutes ago in the last segment, uh, JP2's Theology of the Body really lays it out for us as, as crystal clear as it can possibly be, you know, that God creates us male and female for a purpose. Um, if you go all the way back to Genesis when they meet in the, the garden, um, at first when Eve is created, neither one of them has clothes, but they immediately appreciate that their bodies are not the same, not to be modified or changed, but that they're complementary, that men and women were made to go together, and that when a man and a woman come together in marriage, their love is so powerful that it can result in an entirely new person that needs its own name, a son or a daughter. And what's so beautiful about that picture is that it is an icon for the Trinity itself, where the love between God, the Father, and Jesus, the Son, are so powerful that from them proceeds the Holy Spirit, that pure love. And it's that, that icon of the Trinity that allows the human body in some way to give us insight into who God is. And so the, this physicalness, the, the reality of human nature, um, and of our bodies in particular, bespeaks something beautiful about God and about creation. So where do you think, as we wrap up, John, and again, we have to have you back on, we've been interviewing author, speaker, and attorney John Birch, his new book, Loving God's Children, from Sophia Press. Where is this going to end up if we don't pull in the reins here, tighten the reins on this transgender ideology? Well, it's going to result in the ultimate destruction of the human race, because the next step after changing your sex is changing other parts of your body. Right. Um, you may have already heard about this new movement. It's called transhumanism. Yep. You know, part of it involves improving us um, you know, by having things wired into our brains to Ugh. give us better thinking ability or better vision or better hearing and things like that. Other times it means modifying parts of our body so that it performs better. 
Um, but it's just kind of continuing down this road to Sodom and Gomorrah where everyone thinks that they've got the ability to make their body whatever they want it to be, as opposed to accepting the gifts that God gave them. And, and certainly there's nothing wrong with using medical aids to help our body around the edges. We wear glasses because we don't have powerful vision. Um, but you don't replace your eyeballs because you want supersonic vision like the $6 million man had. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and, and really this is kind of like the entire course of human existence. Um, I just, just go back to the, the Israelites after uh, Moses went up on Mount Sinai, and all of a sudden they're worshiping a golden calf instead of worshiping the God who just took them out of Egypt. It, it, there's always this tension in humankind between worshiping God and following him and accepting his will for us as opposed to grabbing the reins and trying to create my destiny for myself and not having God be part of the picture. Yeah. And I, I think our, our, our Lady at Fatima really predicted this when she said that the devil's last stand would be against the family itself. And, and that's what this is. This is an attack on the family. It's yeah. separating parents from their kids, siblings from each other, um, and, and just causing huge rifts. And it's all this self-determinism, this rise of the self, Uh, that puts my own wants and desires above any and everything else. John, thank you so much. And again, if we could have you back on, uh, maybe right after the book comes out, that would be great because I have a ton of other questions. But I highly recommend you get a copy of this book from our friends at Sophia. Super important right now. Loving God's Children, the Church, and Gender Ideology. John, God bless you. Thanks for this work. And you as well. Thank you so much. You have a great day. And we'll be right back with our Bible verse of the week. Gail Buckley is up next on a Monday. Stay tuned. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre-K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plan, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton. Some of our children, tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to seatonhome.org. That is seatonhome.org. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. I thought it was interesting when I received uh, Gail's note 
that our verse for today is from Luke 14, 11. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Gail, I know you heard part of the interview I did with John Birch on his new book, uh, Loving God's Children, but this is the problem. We think that it's all about us, right? Amen, amen. You know, our verse, of course, is about humility, and of course, that's what I want to talk about. We know that humility is a virtue, but there seems to be so little thought about virtues today. And for that matter, sadly, I think, you know, sin is no longer considered sin either. You know, there's a real lack of humility in our society today. And I'm sure those listening will agree. Most of your listeners probably have family members or, or friends who come to mind who are less than humble. <laughs> By that, I mean they're full of themselves. And I know that we can all be like that on occasion. What's sad, though, Teresa, is those who don't repent of it and they don't think that there's anything wrong with exalting themselves or maybe they don't consider it being prideful and sadly i have a close family member who's a good person but but everything is about him you know his problems his needs etc etc and i have another elderly family member who spends a lot of time planning his funeral and i don't mean planning the songs and stuff like that but writing and rewriting his own eulogy for someone else to read because he wants people to remember what a great guy he was. That's oh, my goodness. Sad. I mean, spending your time on earth doing that. But anyway, unfortunately, humility seems to be a virtue that has fallen by the wayside. And we need to be reminded about it. You wrote a book about this topic of, right. of self-centeredness, you know, beyond mm-hmm. me, my selfie and all. That right. was a great book. And it's so obvious that people that are so self-absorbed now that they get offended at every little thing you know how that is lately you know you can't yep. say anything you hurt my anything feelings right yeah uh-huh. right and you know that's not only a lack of humility but that's prideful you know if one is easily offended it's because pride has a very high opinion they have a very high opinion of themselves and in today's world many times they overly overly upset the people go all that. They get upset, they get mad, they curse, they yell, they scream, they hit people, they destroy property. It's just out of sight. You know, it's just overall uh, a common. It's so common lately. But the problem is that we all know it's because they don't have God in their lives. You know, God has been thrown out of our schools, out of our businesses, out of our government. And once God has been ousted from our lives, there's a vacuum there, and that's when the devil rushes in and fills that vacuum. And these people are to be, you know, they need to be pitied, and we need to pray for them. They are exalting themselves, but as Jesus said, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And I pray that they will be humble because so many times that's when it, what it takes you know, for people to come to the end of yeah. themselves. That's what happened with they... me. I am so grateful yeah, that God too. knocked me off my high horse, of course, more than once. But my first come to Jesus moment really was when I was fired from a big job and I thought I was all that in a bag of chips and it was all about me. And then one (laughs) night I was a lead story on the evening news and next day I found myself on the unemployment line. Boy, that that woke me up. That really did. I mean, that was the start of a very long, long and arduous process, which continues today, by the way. But sometimes those, those moments are the most important if we embrace them. That's right. And, you know, so many times people come to the end of themselves when they're in prison, and they, then they come to God. So uh, we'll have to pray that they will, this will maybe happen to them, or at least pray that, you know, our nation will return to God. So once again, we can have one nation under God, you know, indivisible and with liberty, liberty and, and justice, justice for, all. for all, for truly Amen. all. 
Gail, great points and beautiful verse today from Luke regarding the humble being exalted and the exalted being humbled. And give us a website for the amazing Catholic Scripture Study International. Amen. It's cssprogram.net, cssprogram.net. Have a great week, my dear. Can't believe this is the last week of July. We will talk to you, God willing, next Monday. My goodness. Wow. All right, Gail, thanks so much. And again, the verse for today was from Luke. I think it was 1411. The humbled will be exalted and the exalted will be humbled. A lot to think about today and how interesting that the verse was directly tied in and we didn't know what the verse was this morning until Gail signed on and told us was tied directly to the discussion we had today with John Birch on the whole transgender ideology. Have a great day. We'll talk to you on a Tuesday. A domani. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.